You're listening to Collegiate Chaos. Here are your hosts, Matt Levine, Ben Dixon, and Sam Ostry. Welcome into the second ever episode of the Collegiate Chaos Podcast. I'm Sam Ostry, joined here by Matt Levine and Ben Dixon. We've got a lot to get to, previewing college football, the Big Ten slate, some big games of the weekend, so let's get to it. How we doing, fellas? Doing good, doing good. How are you? I'm good. Phenomenal. Great week of college football here. Yes, it was. So let's start with um, Maryland at Penn State. Maryland off a huge upset win over Minnesota. Minnesota kicking, missing the extra point in overtime last week. Penn State is 0-2. It's a must-win game. What do we think about this one? First off, just want to start with last week's game, the win over Minnesota, 45-44. I've been watching Maryland football my whole life. It's one of the best games I've ever seen, and Tulia Tugamalo with one of the best Maryland quarterback performances I've ever seen. But moving on to this game, Penn State favored by 25. They're coming off a big home blowout loss to Ohio State, 38-25. Maybe not a blowout, but a game where they did get dominated. Ohio State had the ball for most of the game. Uh, Penn State only had 44 rush yards last week. I know Matt said earlier before we started the podcast that their quarterback, Sean Clifford, has been their leading rusher. Not what you like to see if you're Penn State, a running back factory usually. And there were only three for nine on third down conversions last week. Gave up 526 yards of total offense. But before we start talking about Maryland this game, Matt, I mean, Penn State has just been a mess. Yeah, they're, they're brutal. But I, I don't know. You can't write them off yet. Um, a tough loss to Indiana in the first game of the year. Uh, I thought when Michael Penix Jr., the quarterback, reached for the pylon, I thought he was down. But they're not going to overturn that after they call that a touchdown on the field. It's pretty much inconclusive at that point. I don't think any referee in the country would overturn that. But with that being said, they lose that tough game. I thought before the year started, Ohio State's going to go undefeated. um, And they got dominated in terms of possession. But in terms of on the scoreboard, they only lost by 13. I thought it would have been a lot worse. And it wasn't. So I guess that's a positive that they were able to hold Ohio State's only 38. Um, we saw Ohio State blow out Nebraska in week one. So I think Ohio State's pretty much going to do that to every team the rest of the year. Um, but as you said, Clifford, the leading rusher for Penn State, they're a school that produces great running backs. And they're without Journey Brown and Noah Kane now this season. Um, Kane's out for the season. I believe he tore his ACL. And Journey Brown has been out as well. I'm not sure if he's out for the year or not, but right now they're on their third running back who is not producing, uh, to say the least, and that is relying heavy on a pass offense for Penn State that I think might give Maryland's defense an advantage because we saw in the first two games that Maryland's defense has trouble stopping the run. So in this game, with an offense that's going to pass a lot, Maryland's secondary is going to have to step up in a big way. Yeah, I mean, you said it. Um, Maryland defense is the worst part of their um, the the run. The run defense is really the worst part of their team. And we just talked about. It, you both said it. Penn State is without their two top running backs. Their their quarterback Sean Clifford is their leading rusher with 124 yards. So that can bode well against Maryland for Maryland. But at the same time, this would be the game that Penn State would finally get going. I expect them to try to establish the run. Sean Clifford, he's going to use his arm too, but I expect them to try to establish their own. Northwestern in game one against Maryland ran all over Maryland. Minnesota, we saw last week, ran all over Maryland. 
Penn State, even on the third string running back, I expect them to try to do the same thing and move the ball with the run game. Yeah, Penn State, uh, I mean, I'm expecting them to try a bunch of different things. And one of the main guys they're going to be able to try and get it to is wide receiver Jahan Dotson, who's really been spectacular for Penn State so far. 12 receptions for 238 yards and four touchdowns. Only over a span of two games, he had a spectacular one-handed grab for a touchdown against Ohio State. And that was all against Sean Wade, who's an NFL prospect. Like Matt said, it's going to be a big, big test for the Maryland secondary. Maybe see a little tar heap still on Jahan Dotson. I know he's he's been good this season, the freshman. Uh, we'll see what happens with that matchup. But he's a guy, I feel the Terps defense, you really got to look out for. We're, yeah. talk, we're talking about... Um, we're talking about Penn State a lot, but can we just talk about for a second Maryland's performance in Thule last week? It was unbelievable. <laughs> unbelievable. One of the best quarterback performances in the Big Ten in recent years. Um, probably one of the best in a Maryland game all time. And overall, it was it w- it was all their entire offense was producing. It was the first time a Maryland offense had a 300-yard passer and a 200-yard rusher in the same game. And then if you add that, they also had two receivers over 100 yards in Jay Sean Jones and Dante Dimas, who both scored a touchdown as well. So just, it was clicking on all cylinders. And I think the highlight of that was obviously Tugavailoa and the way that he was able to escape pressure, move out of the pocket, throw on the run. uh, And his ball placement was just phenomenal. And I haven't really seen that from a Maryland quarterback in a long time. Yeah. And, and you just talking about his ball placement on the run. He's a legit dual threat quarterback. I mean, he can use his legs. He was incredibly accurate in the pocket. And even more impressively, when he was out of the pocket on the run, like you just said, ball placement, getting into the receivers, and they have great weapons all around him. I mean, his pocket presence is great. He had the game of his career. We know the record-breaking numbers, but I mean, he, he's, I don't want to overreact too much to one game, but he, he's arrived. He's here. He's going to be the Maryland quarterback for the next few years. He's the future of this offense and of this program. Yeah, it's all intangibles for me when you look at Tugavailoa. I mean, watching Maryland for most of my life, I've never seen a quarterback throw pinpoint deep slants over the middle like that. A quarterback who's elusive as that, able to escape the pocket and throw on the run. Really special performance from him. And I think we should also talk about the special performance from Jake Funk. 21 carries, 221 yards, a rushing touchdown, and a receiving touchdown. I mean, Jake Funk is an unbelievable story. Coming off his second ACL tear, Two ACL tests, you never know if you're going to be the same player. And as a senior, he finally gets his chance to be the number one running back, the spotlight running back for the Terps. And he's doing the best with that, and he's been great so far. With that really career game last week, I know Talia, Tulia, excuse me, was the co-Big Ten Offensive Player of the Week. He easily could have put Funk in there, too. And this wasn't some sleepy Saturday afternoon game. The Knots getting a lot, that wasn't getting a lot of viewers. This was Friday night primetime on ESPN. And John Oron... Um, with the Business Sports Journal tweet that this game averaged 1. million viewers, which is up 26% from Friday night primetime on ESPN games last year. I mean, there were so many eyes on this game, and their, Maryland's offense and Tulia and this entire team just delivered with all eyes on them. And not only did Jake Funk have a phenomenal day, not only did Tunga Bailoa have a phenomenal day, but their receivers, there were six receivers that caught at least three passes. I think that really speaks volumes to what this offense is going to do. Um, and, and when Funk is going like that, we, they don't have Tayon Fleet Davis yet with off-the-field issues. They don't know when he'll be available yet. But with two freshmen running back behind Jake Funk, if he's going, that pass game opens up so much. And when the pass game opens up, that allows Funk to get going. 
And when both are clicking like that, we see how this team can really do some damage. Obviously, Minnesota's defense struggled a lot, and they lost seven guys after last season when they were a top 25 team. Mm -hmm. But you can't you can't really point it to that. I think it's more of Maryland's offense was just on point with everything. And it was Tunga Bailoa hitting his spots every single time. And if you guys remember that Jay Sean Jones slant touchdown that he ran for, uh, he only had three catches, but he had 103 yards at a 76-yard catch and run. He probably caught that ball, what, like 10 to 15 yards out from the line of scrimmage? And the ball just led him in a perfect spot to be able to keep on running in stride all the way to the end zone. If Tonga Vailoa throws that ball an inch or a foot behind him, he's getting tackled after he catches that. And I think that a guy like Josh Jackson or Tyrell Pigrom is not going to hit as crisp of a spot as Tonga Vailoa did with all his receivers. Yeah, couldn't agree more. All right, so as we look ahead to other games in the Big Ten, Next up, we have Michigan um, getting three points over Indiana. Michigan 1-1 coming off a, as we look at Indiana, they're also coming off a heartbreaking loss to in-state rival Michigan State. What do we think about this one? I mean, it's a, it's a bigger game than we expected, at least for Indiana and for Michigan. Uh, Michigan coming off that loss last week at home against Michigan State. Uh, really just a shocking loss for them, and not really a good loss for Jim Harbaugh, who's been horrible against his two main rivals, Michigan State and Ohio State. So Michigan, I think, if you're looking at the Wolverines here, this is a must-win for them. And for Indiana, this is their first 2-0 start in Big Ten play since 1991. It would be a statement win for them. This is a chance for Indiana, a noon game on FS1, maybe not in the, the national spotlight completely, but... This is a game if Indiana wins, people are going to start taking you for real. You're ranked 13th in the country right now. If you can improve to 3-0 and with big wins over Penn State and Michigan, two of the Blue Buds and the Big Ten East, people won't overlook you for the rest of the year. It really is, I think, more of a statement game for Indiana and a must-win game for Michigan. So I think there's a lot on the line in this one. I'm excited to watch. It's almost kind of similar to the Maryland and Penn State narratives of Penn State needing a must-win. Maryland not really making a statement, but kind of showing that Last game wasn't a fluke almost, if they're able to compete with Penn State. Um, I just want to touch on something quickly for Maryland and Penn State before I get into the Michigan-Indiana, is that Maryland hasn't scored a touchdown against Penn State in three seasons now. So since 2016, um, they've just held them to a field goal. And I think that that's going to change. Obviously, last year, Maryland didn't score. So it's only been six points in the last three games for Maryland against Penn State. Uh, last year was 59-0. Everybody knows how that went. This year, that's going to be different. But I think that it's kind of the same narrative. Penn State needing a win at 0-2. Maryland trying to kind of prove that last week wasn't a fluke. And here, Michigan, they kind of need a win as well. And Indiana needs to prove that they might be one of the best teams in the country. Um, obviously, it's such an unprecedented season. And Things are so different, but for them to move to 3-0 and with, as you said, Ben, a win over Penn State and a win over Michigan, nobody's going to doubt them for the rest of the year and maybe even next year as well. Right, and I also I like those parallels between the, the Maryland-Penn State game and Michigan-Indiana. Penn State's 42-1 and all-time against Maryland. Maryland hasn't won since the famous uh, non-handshake game back in 2014 in Maryland's first year in the Big Ten. And Michigan leads the all-time series against Indiana 59-9. to 
with a 24-game win streak over Indiana. So th- those are two series which have been dominated by one side, and Indiana really has the chance to change the narrative this Saturday. Before I get into Michigan, Michigan's matchup against Indiana, I want to talk about Jim Harbaugh for a second. I mean, I think it's time they break up. I don't know about you guys, but I can't knock either of them for trying, trying to reunite a few years back. It seemed like it would work. It seemed like it was a good idea, um, a lot of enthusiasm around it. But Jim Harbaugh just never got over the hump of this team. They haven't got over the Ohio State hump. seems like they suffer a brutal loss every year, like we saw with Michigan State last week. Jim Harbaugh's a great recruiter. He's a great showman. and But he's underachieved as a coach there. And I, I think it's time for each party to move on. I don't, And I expect them to after this year. I don't see Jim Harbaugh going anywhere back in college. I expect to see him back in the NFL at some point soon. And, you know, I can't knock them for trying, like I said, but it, it just didn't work out. Yeah, I mean, I really don't see Michigan beating Ohio State this year either. Ohio State's a wagon. We'll talk about them later. But if you're Jim Harbaugh and you lose to Michigan State, who really is not good this year, and you lose to Ohio State, I think it might be time for him to pack his bags. I agree. And then looking ahead even more, they have another tough matchup against Wisconsin, who will get to Wisconsin. They haven't played since week one. They won't play again this week. But that's in week four of the Big Ten, so November 14th. Uh, Saturday, I believe that's already named. It might be named College Game Day. It looks on the schedule that it's at 7:30 on ABC Saturday night. So I would assume that's College Game Day. I don't know if it's been announced yet, but that's a game that Michigan can easily lose as well, uh, putting Harbaugh on the hot seat even more. And then just keep looking ahead. They have Rutgers, then Penn State, another tough game for them, then Maryland, and then Ohio State to close out the regular season. So it's just. The Big Ten East is so tough, um, and I thought Michigan would be at the top of it, but with a short season like this, you can't really have time for mistakes. And I think Ohio State's really the only team that's not going to have those mistakes. Yeah, the eight-game schedule, it's a sprint, not a marathon in the Big Ten East. So you'll be running into a tough opponent every week. There's no margin for error. And as we've seen with Michigan so far, already had had a slip-up against. And uh, and we talked about it last week, but in this Big Ten, I mean, this conference is so deep this year, this year especially, but usually every year they're this deep. Any given Saturday, any game, it's not a surprise if anyone beats anyone, really, other than Ohio State. Ohio State is head and shoulders above everyone else, and then everyone, it seems like, it's it's not a shock anymore if someone beats someone else. And we saw that with Michigan last week. We saw with Minnesota last week, too, losing to Maryland. I mean, these, these games are just battles in the Big Ten. It seems like a lot of parity this year, too, before we move on to the other games, but I just want to say, I mean, it seems like Ohio State is head and shoulders above the rest of the conference, and it seems like the rest of the conference, anyone can be beaten on any night, as we've seen so far through these two weeks. It's kind of like a college basketball narrative, in, in a way, the way the Big Ten was this past season, uh, where anyone could really beat anyone except kind of the way Maryland and Michigan State were at the top, and then Wisconsin came in at the end. But just anybody on any night, something can happen, and I think that that's the kind of college football I obviously like to see. Uh, and it really hasn't been that way in the Big Ten East. It's kind of been the same three or four teams every year running away at the top. And I think that is changing a little bit now with a team like Indiana headed towards the top. It's great to see that. So, um, to move on, another Big Ten matchup. Minnesota getting seven points against Illinois. Two 0-2 teams in the Big Ten. What do we think about this one? Uh, I mean, I think Minnesota's better than the record shows. You look at last year, the 11-2 and team, the Outback Bowl win, maybe a little disrespected, not getting in a New Year's Six game. But if you look at this Minnesota team, 
obviously the brutal loss to Maryland last week and the blowout loss to Michigan in week one. Obviously not a great start, but I do think they're better than their record shows. They brought back Tanner Morgan. They brought back Muhammad Ibrahim, who really lit up the turfs last week. Again, he's special, one of the best running backs in the country. And they brought back Rashad Bateman, who's a legitimate NFL first-round, second-round wide receiver prospect. So with that core, I think Minnesota's a lot better than their record shows. And I think, in my honest opinion, they may take it out of Illinois this week. Yeah, I, I would have to agree with that. I think they are going to blow the doors off of Illinois. Um, and I thought, obviously, the Maryland game would have been a lot different than it ended. I kind of thought Minnesota was going to beat Michigan as well in week one. Um, but they once they put it together, they're – a really, they have a great offense, and there's no denying that. So it's I think their defense needs to hold up a little bit more, give their offense some more time on the field, and once they put it all together, they're going to be blowing out teams in the Big Ten West. Yeah, I mean, talk, talk about their defense. Minnesota's defense is horrible. They're giving up 578 yards per game. I believe that's the worst in the Big Ten. They can't stop anyone on the ground game. They can't stop anyone in the air. They're... Anyone can score on them at will at any point of the game. We saw that with Maryland's offense last week. Illinois, on the other hand, is, is really bad. I'm not sure if they're going to get a Big Ten win all season. They've been. We talked about last week how they've been a disappointment under Lovey Smith. Came from the NFL so far. Minnesota's dealing with some COVID absences, and they have. Um, this is week three in the Big Ten, but they have the first two weeks of the season. They came with some came into the season with some expectations. Again, week one, I thought they were going to compete with Michigan too. Michigan kind of got, um, ended up blowing them out a little bit at the end of that game. But this is similar to Penn State. This is a must-win game to keep their season alive. I expect them to take care of business and just minus seven to the line, touchdown. I expect them to beat Illinois by a lot more than that. Agreed. Moving on to um, another Big Ten matchup. We have Iowa, 0-2. Might be surprising to some. It's definitely surprising to me that they're 0-2 against Michigan State who again is off that big win against Michigan last week. What are your thoughts on this one? I mean, I think Iowa's another team where 0-2 doesn't necessarily reflect their record. Maybe they're not expected to be at the top of the Big Ten, but this is a team that lost by four to Purdue in week one and lost by one to Northwestern last week. So it's not like they're getting their doors blown off. They're playing teams tough. And Iowa's always a pesky team in the Big Ten, usually defensive-minded and as their games have shown only 44 points in week one, 41 points last week. I think if they play Michigan State at home in a low-scoring, grinded-out type of game, this is a game they should win. They're favored by 6.5 for a reason. But if you look at it on the other side, Rocky Lombardi and Michigan State, they really do have a chance to show last week's win at Michigan was not a fluke and build on that, and that their home loss to week one in Rutgers was just a blip on the radar and not really something to sweat over. Same exact thing, same narrative as Maryland's here for Michigan State. Um a chance to win a game. Obviously, it's completely different going up against a team like Iowa and Penn State. I think, obviously, the records are the same at 0-2, but Penn State is astronomically better than Iowa, and nobody's denying that. But the way Michigan State is at 1-1 with a huge upset win over Michigan, Maryland 1-1, a big upset over Minnesota, now coming in to face an 0-2 team that is better than them, both of them. Iowa's better than Michigan State, and Penn State's better than Maryland, so both teams with a chance to really prove that their wins last week were not flukes and that they are competitive this season. Uh, and I think it's Iowa's turn to 
win a close game uh, against Michigan State. Yeah, I think I was the better team in this one. I mean, they've had a disappointing season so far. So for two brutal close losses to Purdue and Northwestern, as you guys outlined. But, I mean, they're better than the record says. I was really high on them to compete in the Big Ten coming into this year. doesn't look like it's really going to happen. But in terms of their mat- matchup against Michigan State, I expect this to be a defensive battle. I mean, both these teams struggle to score. It's going to be a low-scoring affair. I think Michigan, I think um, Iowa takes care of business at home against Michigan State. And Michigan State is coming off a huge win. That will undoubtedly be their best win of the year. I think Iowa takes care of business at home. Agreed. Moving on, as we finish up two more Big Ten matchups here, Ohio State with a ginormous line against Rutgers, favored by minus 38. I mean, Ohio State, as I, as we outlined earlier, is the top of the Big Ten. There's really, I don't see a team that can compete with them all year, thus after two weeks. But what do we think about this one? Uh, I mean, the line's 38 for a reason. Ohio State's going to blow the doors off of Rutgers, in my opinion. And if you're watching this game, you're really watching for one thing, to see Justin Fields, one of the best quarterbacks in the nation. I mean, he's just so good. 48 for 55 this year in terms of completions, 594 yards and six touchdowns. Only two games, but he can add to a Heisman resume and a primetime win over Rutgers. Should be an easy W for him. It's kind of crazy how much talent they lost in terms of Chase Young, Jeff Okuda at the top of the draft, and they're still this good on defense. They're still this good everywhere. Um, and I agree with you, Ben. I think this is a game where Fields solidifies himself as one of the Heisman Trophy candidates. Uh, the Big Ten started late, so you had guys in the SEC like Mac Jones. You had guys in the ACC like Trevor Lawrence already have those resumes. Trevor Lawrence is now at two games due to a positive COVID-19 test. So this is really a chance for Justin Fields to get back up to the top of that Heisman conversation where he was last year. Um, and it's also a chance for Rutgers to, I mean, this would be a, a, one of their best wins probably in program history, but I, I, they, they just got their first win, their first Big Ten win in a long time. I don't remember exactly how long it was, a couple weeks ago. And uh, now they're, I think, I think Ohio State is, they're going to cover the spread in my opinion. Uh, they'll probably win by at least 40. I think this is really the game where Fields, Master Teague, Everybody on that offense is just, they're, they're going to blow them out, and that defense is really going to step up. Yeah, I mean, Rutgers can't compete with this team. They're just on a whole nother level. Really, Ohio State's on a whole nother level than the rest of the Big Ten, it seems. But especially Rutgers. I mean, they had an impressive win week one over Michigan State, who's now 1-1. One and, one. and they competed even at times with Indiana last week. They're young, they're developing, but this won't be anything close to a game. Ohio State's defensive front like you said, they've replaced all these defender, uh, defensive players and they're still at the same level as they were last year. Ohio State puts up double the number of yards per game that Rutgers does. It's a massive line for a reason. I don't expect it to be close. I don't know if they're going to cover 38, but it certainly won't be a ball game. And I don't understand how Ohio State gets a Big Ten Network game. It doesn't matter who they're playing, in my opinion. they got to be on Fox. they got to be on CBS. they got to be on Absolutely. ESPN. They're one of the best teams in the country. You got to be like the Big Ten should want them to be. Obviously, the Big Ten wants their own network to get an Ohio State game because then they're going to get a lot of viewers. But 
if the Big Ten wants more exposure, they gotta be they gotta have Ohio State on prime time. It doesn't matter who they play. And Justin Fields is much watch, must watch TV for any college football fan exactly. or NFL fan. This will be there soon. Honestly, if you're having Ohio State play Rutgers on prime time, make it a Friday night game. You'll yeah, have you all the eyes on that. Wouldn't mind that. Exactly. This is what they got to do. See, we should schedule the game <laughs> next year. Next year. <laughs> all right. To finish up the Big Ten, we have Northwestern. Uh, minus three. Northwestern, somewhat surprising, 2-0 and this year against Nebraska, who's 1-0, missed out on last week's opportunity to play because their game against Wisconsin was canceled. Northwestern's coming in as a, a favorite by field goal, minus three. So, it's, and, so what do we think about this one? I mean, you can't talk about Northwestern without talking about how solid their defense has been. They only give up three to the Terps, as we know. Don't want to talk about that game anymore. And 20 last week to Iowa. So for them at home against an 0-1 Nebraska team, it's a really good spot for them to get the 3-0. And then they got Purdue next week, another winnable game. Maybe thinking ahead, could they be 4-0 heading into that matchup with Wisconsin? You never know. Don't want to go. You want to go week by week. You don't want to look ahead too much. But if if you're Northwestern at home against Nebraska, you should win this game. They've looked really good so far. Very impressed with them. Only allowing 250 yards of offense per game. I think this spread is a little disrespectful to Northwestern. I think Northwestern's a wagon. Mm-hmm. I think they're the most underrated team in this conference, and I'll say it myself, I didn't expect that coming into the season. I guess they just didn't know as well as, or as much as they should have, but um, a team with Nebraska who got blown out by Ohio State in the first game, they weren't able to play their second game against Wisconsin because of Wisconsin's positive tests. That got canceled. So they're coming in. With one game under their belt, a loss to Ohio State, Northwestern's trending the other direction, 2-0, and big win over Iowa, um, and I think that their defense is just one of the best in the conference, uh, and they're really showing that so far. But their offense as well, the way they run the ball, they pass, they, they, they're just a complete team that people are really counting out, or counted out at least, and I think after a win here against Nebraska at 3-0, and atop of the Big Ten West, people are going to start realizing, almost like if Indiana, obviously Indiana is going to have a much harder game against Michigan, but if Northwestern's able to go 3-0, and they're not really going to be doubted for the rest of the season either. Yeah, I mean, I think this line is this, though, because we just don't know exactly, we kind of know what Northwestern is, and I agree they're completely underrated in the Big Ten. We don't know exactly what Nebraska is. They only played one game, like we said, the game last week was canceled. Their first game was against Ohio State. They got blown out, but that's Ohio State. So, I mean, we don't know exactly what Nebraska is going to bring to the table. I still think they wouldn't have a lot of expectations coming into the year. But I do think Northwestern is the better team. Northwestern loves to just run down people's throats. I mean, they just dominate the, the line of scrimmage. They dominate the run game. If Nebraska has any chance to win, they're going to have to contain Northwestern's run game and make Peyton Ramsey, Northwestern's quarterback, beat him with his arm. I don't really see that happening. I think Northwestern covers by wins this game by more than three. And yeah, yeah. Just before we move on, just I, w- I want to give a quick, quick shout out to Northwestern head coach Pat Fitzgerald. Obviously, they went three and nine last year, but this guy clearly knows how to run a Big Ten football program. After going ten and three, seven and six, ten and three, and nine and five in the last four seasons before the twenty nineteen season, he really has Northwestern back, looking good, and. I just think he deserves a lot of credit. That that man's a good Big Ten football coach, and he runs a very good program over there at Northwestern. Yeah, he's been there for a while, too. And the only disadvantage I see here, or advantage for Nebraska, is that 
Northwestern might not have as much film as they would have if this was Nebraska's third game. Um, just one game to look at, not two. I don't know how much of a difference that makes, but I really do think Northwestern covers the spread here and goes to 3-0. Agree with you there, Matt. Any other thoughts on the Big Ten as we wrap up this week's Big Ten slate? Wisconsin and Purdue are not playing again because Wisconsin um, has too many COVID um, absences on their team, so they had to cancel that game against Purdue. We're not sure when we're going to see them again, hopefully next week. But, yeah, any other thoughts on the Big Ten before we move on to other big games around college football? I mean, I want to see Wisconsin play. After that, I would love to, too. We talked about it last week. But, I mean, you look at Wisconsin with week two and now their week three games canceled. I mean, there's no way they can make the playoff with the record of what if they want out. It'd be 7-0, and including the Big Ten championship. I really don't see a possibility there, which is a shame because they did look really good in week one. And I'd love to see them play again soon. Hopefully next week, but you never know with coronavirus. And if they don't, if one of their games is canceled the rest of the season after they missed two already, if they get one more canceled, they'll not be eligible for the Big Ten title game either. So they're hypothetically eliminated from the college football playoff just because they won't really have enough games under their belt, but they'll mathematically be eliminated from the Big Ten title game if they actually miss three games, which is very unfortunate for a team that was favored to win the Big Ten West. Yeah. Um, and they showed out in week one that they, without quarterback Jack Cohen, they were still able to do some historic things with a freshman quarterback. And it's it's frustrating um, for any football fan, really. And I hope that they come back next week and really pick right back where they left off because that's what we want for Big Ten football here. Yeah, uh, I mean, talked about it last week. I mean, I was really excited to watch Watch Wisconsin football play this year with Graham Mertz, the new quarterback, as a potential star in the Big Ten, but we're not going to see it. And if we do see Wisconsin play next week, it'll most I, I believe it'll be without it'll be with their fourth string quarterbacks, Jack Cohn's out with an injury, and they're starting to have uh, or contracted the coronavirus, and you have to sit for 21 days. And I don't think it would be 21 days if they do play next week. So it'd be with their fourth string quarterback. I don't know how that would go, but we'll get there when we get there. Yeah, really a tough situation for Wisconsin. Yeah. Now looking um, around college football, there's a, a lot of big games going on. We're going to start with Clemson against Notre Dame. Clemson's still a favorite, minus 5.5, despite Trevor Lawrence being out again. Notre Dame's ranked 4. They're undefeated on the year. This is a this is a huge game. And this line surprised me a little bit that Clemson was still minus 5.5, I, I saw it last night, without their star, probably the number one pick in the draft, Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, the main narrative in this game is, can Clemson win a game like this without Trevor Lawrence? And obviously, it's yet to be seen. We'll figure that out Saturday night. But true freshman, bear with me here. DJ Ugalaleli. That was impressive. <laughs> doing, doing my best. He was good in that, that home close win over BC, 34-28. A scare in which they were losing for a lot of the game. Uh, he had 342 yards and two touchdowns, and obviously Travis Etienne was phenomenal, as he usually is, with 224 combined rushing receiving yards with two touchdowns. You look at this game, man. I mean, this is this was going to be the game of the year with Trevor Lawrence. It still has that potential. Clemson obviously still favored, as you said, Sam. I'm, I'm really interested to see how it is. Notre Dame's rolling through their first year in the ACC. Average margin of victory of 19 points in conference action. You know what you get with Ian Book, an experienced quarterback, a winner for Notre Dame. 
I mean, I'm just excited to watch this game. It should be very interesting. I'm not the biggest Notre Dame guy, and I never have been. They don't they win a lot of regular season games, but they don't really do much, kind of like Texas. Uh, but I think, obviously, with Trevor Lawrence here, I would have taken Clemson, no doubt. I think he's one of the best college quarterbacks I've ever seen. Um, and that's only 20 years on this earth, so it's not really that much. But <laughs> I think I, I think this is still a great game. Prime time Saturday night on NBC. Um, it's going to be a fun one. 7-0 against 6-0, number one versus number four. And true freshman DJ Uigalole, I think it is, he is the number one quarterback in the 2020 class. Um, so there's no writing them off that they have a backup quarterback. He's still the number one quarterback in the class. And anytime you have that, you have a chance to win. Um, so I really do think you can't write Clemson out of this. I think they're going to win the game, honestly. And it's. I think this is still going to be one of the best games of the year. Yeah, I mean, you said it. It's not like Clemson's putting some scrub out there at quarterback. I mean, DJ's a true freshman, and he's just, he's expected to take over when Trevor leaves next year for the draft, assuming he does. But I mean, he's not like he's not Trevor Lawrence. He's not a generational talent. And Boston College did play Clemson well. I mean, they competed for most of that game. They were in it for the majority of that game. And but they do have a, Clemson does have another week to prepare with their new quarterback. I mean, Notre Dame's defense is really good. They allow 10 points per game. They dominate the run game. Both sides of the line of scrimmage, they dominate. Uh, Kyron Williams has been terrific this year, Notre Dame's running back. I think this is going to be a great game. It won't, I won't be surprised if Notre Dame wins, but I'm still taking Clemson with you guys. I mean, with Trevor Lawrence, this is an easy pick. But without, I still think Dabo Sweeney, I mean, this might be the biggest regular season test he's had in, in years. I mean, Notre Dame's legit. They're ranked four. I mean, this is if they lose this, they're probably out of the college football playoff. Not definitely. But, I mean, this is a huge test for Dabo Sweeney. I still think, I'm not sure they're going to cover five and a half. I expect it to be a really close game. Great Saturday night football. But I, I still think Clemson wins this game. Yeah, and you look at this game, the, the winner of the game is going to have the inside track to win the ACC, bearing something that happens to one of these teams. But... Clemson, like you said, they, they may need this game for their playoff hopes. They may not. We could be looking at a situation similar to Alabama a couple of years where they didn't win their division in the SEC, but they still made the playoff because they were just that overpowering. And you know the committee is going to take into effect that they don't have Trevor Lawrence even if they do lose this game because they always say they're going to take the best four teams, uh, whatever that means, because their criteria seems to change every year. But it will, will still be an interesting game even without Trevor Lawrence. Uh, and yeah, the, the winner should win the ACC of this game, so definitely something to watch Saturday night. And I think the guy to watch, other than the quarterback for Clemson, is Travis Etienne at running back. He's kind of turned into a receiver now as well. Um, just He's been so phenomenal. And I think this guy is one of the next NFL great offensive players that we're really seeing here at Clemson. Um, and with that offense, with a Trevor Lawrence in there, this game would be even more prime time than it already is. But I think this game is really going to be one of the best of the season. Yeah. So moving on, another game that has potential to be one of the best of the season, I think is the game of the week. Georgia getting three and a half points, more, a little more than field goal against Florida. Both one-loss teams. Um, this, this should be an amazing game. Georgia's ranked five. Florida's ranked eight. What do you see in this one? 
Well, let me just tell you, I've been high on Florida all year. You guys know Kyle Pitts is my guy. This guy has seven touchdowns in four games. Yeah. 22 catches, 355 yards, seven touchdowns. He's just a monster. Mm-hmm. He's he's just huge. He's fast. He can catch the ball. He's an animal. Finds the end zone. I like Florida. I don't know. I don't I don't really know, honestly, but this game is also one of the best of the year. Uh, five versus eight, four and one versus three and one. Florida's also a team that really doesn't win either, but this is a typical game that Florida will get either blown out or they're going to get a heartbreaking loss. But I, I think that I think they win the game. I mean, everything's on the line in this one. It's a big rivalry played in Jacksonville every year. The winner of this game is going to win the SEC East, again, bearing something that happens out of the ordinary. But talk, you talk about Kyle Pitts there, Matt. He's... He's made up for over 26% of Kyle Trask's passing yards this year, so he loves him, and he's caught seven of his 18 touchdown passes, which is absurd for a tight end. And Kyle Pitts is going to be a first-rounder whenever he enters the NFL draft. Uh, he's a special player. And But you look at the Georgia defense here, one of the main narratives here, uh, starting safety, Richard LeCount. LeCount, I don't know how to pronounce his name there. He's, uh, he's going to be missing this game after – a uh, traffic accident, so hoping for the best for him. And all SEC nose guard Jordan Davis and Georgia stud wide receiver George Pickens are also questionable. So if you look at Georgia potentially missing three starters, that could really change the momentum of the game. Any, uh, if you miss a key player in a game like this, it could change the tide. I'm really excited to watch it. Uh, Georgia quarterback Stetson Bennett, really, he had a great game week one. Hasn't been as good recently. Uh, he needs to make plays for Georgia to win this game. Uh, Georgia's averaging over 175 rush yards a game, which has been awesome for them, but only uh, less than 230 passing yards. So there, there's going to need to be a healthy balance in this one against Florida for Georgia to have a chance to win this game. Yeah, I mean, Florida's offense is elite. I mean, you talked about Kyle Pitts. Kyle, like, let's give Kyle Tra- Trask some credit, too. I mean, he's he's been really good. He's really accurate passer, the senior. I mean, they're putting up 42 points per game in Florida's offense. I mean, that, that's incredible. This is a classic offense. Florida's great offense versus Georgia's great defense. Georgia does have a great defense. This is the game for the SEC East, most likely. But if Georgia is if Georgia's going to win this game, it's going to come down to Stetson Bennett. You just mentioned he's been struggling last week. So he has five interceptions in the last two games. That is not good. I think Florida's... Um, I think Florida wins this game, but if Georgia does, it's going to be because Stetson Bennett steps up, throwing the ball in the pocket, and Florida's defense is going to need to get some stops. Georgia's dominated Florida in the past. They've won by 20 points per game the last three seasons against their matchups against Florida. I mean, I think Florida's hungry. I think this is one of the best teams they've had in the last few years. I think Florida at least covers three and a half. I certainly think it'll be a close game, but I think Florida goes on top. Also, I mean, do we want to talk about Dan Mullen and uh, Florida's little incident last week. We can. That's all. That's all you there. I was just. I was just gonna say. I mean, he was getting a lot of flack for that. I mean, he might have um, instigated it a little bit, which was absolutely not right. No coach should ever do that. But at the same time, he was riding for his players when they were in there. His player, like the media, might kill him. But I think behind closed doors, his players, they might. They're like, this guy has my back. I want to play hard for this guy. I'm gonna go out and compete for this guy. I think that means something. Right, a player's coach, but you, you never want to see, I guess, not, not to use the term brawl, but I guess yeah, no. it's sort of it was the ugly. team's coming together, it, it's something lightly like that. 
you don't like to see that in college football. I know, I know that you especially don't want to see it during the uh, the, the pandemic. I know a lot of people were upset about the both teams coming together fully, but well, Dan Dan Mullins made some other comments. Yeah, That's certainly. I Not mean, the smartest. We, we, we talked about it last week. The SEC and the pandemic don't really uh, coexist together. But <laughs> um, you, uh, Dan Mullen, players coach, you, you just don't want to see what went down, though, in a college football game. But you, the Florida players have to like him riding for it. I do understand the criticism that comes from it, though. Absolutely. And let me tell you something, looking at the numbers here. Points per game. Sam, you mentioned it. Florida's offense, 42 points per game. Georgia's offense... Only 29.2. And then points allowed per game. Florida's defense allows 29.3. Georgia's defense allows 16.2. And I've heard the saying, since I've grown up, offense wins games, defense wins championships. Florida's going to win the game, but Georgia's always going to be closer to that college football playoff or the SEC championship, whatever it is. I think Florida gets it done, though, just because they have a more powerful offense. All right, wrapping up. Um... College football, our last matchup in college football this week. Another ranked matchup. BYU, minus three against Boise State. Both teams are undefeated. BYU really hasn't played anyone legit. Neither is Boise State, but Boise State's only 2-0. and I mean, BYU's played seven games. They're seven now. What do we think about this one? I mean, I think, I think BYU's legit. I mean, you, you look at, they've, they've blown the doors off of pretty much everyone, with the exception of UTSA, probably a look-over game for them. But you look at their quarterback, Zach Wilson. I've been able to watch a little bit of BYU this year. He's a legitimate NFL first-round prospect. Over 2,100 yards with 19 touchdowns and only two interceptions this year. I love watching that kid play, and he's going to need to have a great game for them to beat Boise State this Friday night. We talk about Friday night games. This is great exposure for two group of five teams like this. The ratings will be through the roof, I'm sure. And it, this game's really a real chance for BYU to prove they are for real. And who knows what could happen if they run the table in a weird college football season like this. If they end the season at 12-0 and or however many games they end up playing, because we know it's a fluid schedule and they could add games as, as it goes on for open weeks. Um, but a win Friday would be huge for them, and they could really gain some national respect with it. Ranked number nine in the country. This isn't, this isn't just a, an up-and-coming group of five team. This is BYU. They're a good program. They're top ten for a reason. And when looking at how many points they score per game, 44.4. You mentioned their quarterback. Just They have a really powerful offense. And their defense as well. 13.4 points allowed per game. That's extremely low uh, in, a, in a conference like that that they're just running through. And they're, you said it. They're a top 10 team for a reason. They're 7-0. and It's not a fluke if you're 7-0. and And I think, I think they're much better than Boise State. Boise State's good, but I think BYU is... They have, a, they have a powerful offense and a better defense, and I think they'll win the game. Yeah, I mean, B, BYU is good. I mean, I said said they really haven't played anyone legit because they haven't. That doesn't mean they're not a good team. This is their first big test of the year against a ranked Boise State team. Boise State's good, too. I mean, they have two quarterbacks they can go with, and I think Boise State is going to upset them. Um, I'm, I'm actually excited for this one. BYU has never won a game at Boise State. This, this game is at Boise State. I'm not sure exactly if there's going to be fans or not or at what capacity, but I think Boise State gets the upset here against BYU. Yeah, I mean, Boise State is dealing with some COVID-19 issues at the quarterback position. Uh, their starter from last year, Hank Backmeyer, he missed last week's game against Air Force due to COVID-19 protocols, but the guy who stepped in 
Jack Sears, the transfer from played USC, well. played well. He's also a pretty good quarterback. So a discussion there. It's unclear whether or not Bachmeyer will be able to play against Boise State yet, but or against uh, BYU, excuse me. But should be an interesting thing to see unfold, and I'm definitely excited for this game. Yeah. All right, that wrap, wraps up our college football slate preview. We're going to get to our picks of the week now, and maybe an upset of the week too, if we want to throw that in there. All right, Ben, what's your pick of the week? Oh, this is tough. I mean, I was going through the board of games trying to see what I liked, what I didn't like. Um, for me, I'll start with Florida plus three and a half against Georgia. Georgia is favored by three and a half. I do like Florida to win the game outright. If not outright, I think they'll be able to keep it within a field goal. So we'll see about that. That's also my underdog of the week. I know we we're going to pick underdogs. And my uh, my actual spread favorite lock of the week, I'm going to take Minnesota minus seven against Illinois. I think they might win that game by three touchdowns. Love Minnesota that week. But, I mean, we're, we're, we're not telling you to take these picks. Just going through the, the slate, looking at games we like. And uh, listen responsibly, do what you will with these, but we're not telling you to actually bet on these games. Absolutely not. I will go with my first, my, I'll say my lock and then my upset of the week. I've been going through this, changing it back and forth, so I'll just say a few of what I think. Hopefully one of them is right. Um, I think my first lock is Cincinnati over Houston. They do have a two-touchdown spread. So that's concerning to me, but I'll take Cincinnati to win the game. Um, I also think Texas A&M will cover a 10-point spread over South Carolina. Uh, they're the number seven team in the country, an SEC team, better than South Carolina. Obviously, South Carolina beat Auburn, but Auburn struggled a little bit. I think Texas A&M gets that done. And Ben, you alluded to my upset of the week, Florida over Georgia. As I said a few minutes ago, I'm a huge Florida guy this year. Kyle Pitts, he's going to have two touchdowns in this game. Florida's going to win. I also have two picks for my week. We talked about one earlier. Michigan, minus three against Indiana. I think this line's way too low. I think Michigan is a good – they're the better team in this one. They're coming off a tough loss. I don't think they're going to lose back-to-back here, especially with um, more tough games to play as the season goes on, as uh, Matt outlined earlier. Indiana started out the season well, but they also had a lot go their way, especially in that week one. Maybe it was a touchdown. Maybe it wasn't game against – Penn State, Michigan only having a field goal is too low. I like Michigan minus three. My next pick is North Carolina minus ten and a half against Duke. Duke's two and four this year. I don't, and Michigan and North Carolina's um, four and two. They're having a nice year. This is a blue blood rivalry, even though it's the wrong sport. But I like North Carolina minus ten against Duke here. My upset, we talked about it just a few minutes ago. I like Boise State. Um, BYU's never won a game at Boise State. It's at Boise State's home. I like Boise State to cover plus three against BYU. All right, that wraps it up. Um, in the next few episodes, we're going to get into a lot of college basketball. College basketball is 20 days away from today, this Thursday. We're excited for that to start. And the NBA draft is 13 days away from today. We're going to get into some NBA draft talk. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Tune in next week.